Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. What's up, Hope? How are we? Good. It is good to be with you. Uh, Last week, Jason kicked off our brand new series that we're calling Made For More. If you enjoyed that sermon last week, let's give Jason a round of applause. I was blessed by that. And uh, the basic premise of this series is that we were made for more than what we are currently experiencing. That for a lot of us, there are many areas of our lives, maybe it's family, maybe it's parenting, maybe it's marriage, uh, maybe it's our finances, maybe it's this relationship or our jobs where we just kind of are making our way through it thinking, is this as good as it gets? Is this all that God has for me? And the truth of this series is no. In a lot of areas, we are simply settling. We're living less than when God wants us to experience more. And so the foundational truth of this series is that God longs to lead every single one of us into an abundant life. That's what Jesus said. Uh, But the world in which we live does everything it can to hold us back from that more than sort of life. And so this week, I want to tackle a topic that I know from personal experience and from lots of conversations with all the people that call Hope Home is one of the top areas that we feel stuck, that we feel held back, that we are experiencing less when God wants so much more. And that area I want to tackle today is the area of parenting. Now, this is actually an area that I have avoided preaching on for about the past two years. And when I say avoid, like when the topic comes up, I say, who can I ask to preach instead of me? And the reason is, is because I'm just at a point in my parenting life where I don't know what I'm doing. Like uh, there was a season during the early years where I kind of grasped the concept of this parenting thing, but now I have an almost 13 and 14 year old two daughters. And I just feel maybe parents of teenagers, you can, you can emphasize with this, but I, I just feel like I'm back to square one, like I'm kind of lost. And it's very hard to get up on stage and to talk to thousands of people all across the world and on our campuses uh, this week and uh, teach them how to parent when I myself feel, honestly, like a failure some days. Uh, But a good friend pulled me aside a few weeks ago and said, that's probably why you should be the one to teach this because that's how every parent feels at some point in their parenting life. And he's right. Uh, I've learned over the past two years that I am absolutely not alone. Uh, that no one is an expert, that no one has cornered the market on being a perfect parent. Everyone is just really trying to do the best they can and just hoping that we don't mess our kids up too bad. And so maybe that's all that you need to hear this weekend. If you feel like a failure when it comes to your parenting skills, I do too. Uh, You're absolutely not alone. Uh, There is a celebrity that had a quote on parenting I read a few months ago, and she got it perfect. She said, when it comes to parenting, we just close our eyes, hope for the best, and save up a whole lot of money for our kids' counseling in the future. And uh, that's us. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. In fact, let's take a little parenting quiz. So if you're watching online, maybe you're listening to the podcast, you can play along across all of our campuses. Raise your hand if you've ever done this as a parent. And this is a safe space, okay? No one's going to judge you. But how many of you have ever yelled at your kids in public? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of us. 
Um, how many of you have ever used Coco Melon or Disney Plus as a babysitter for way too long? Anyone? Yep. How many of you have tried to smack your kid but ended up hurting yourself way more than you hurt them? Yeah. It's the car, it's in the back seat, the angles are weird, right? And you smack your hand against the seatbelt holder and you have to hide your pain. Don't judge me, I didn't do it to your kid, all right? Uh, how many of you after a long day have been really tempted to put a little melatonin in the sippy cup? Anyone? I'm not saying you did. Maybe something other than melatonin. Uh, how many of your kids, uh, they've woken up with a mild fever on Monday morning, but you have that really important business meeting, so you just load them up with Tylenol and send them on to school. Anybody done that? Yeah. Uh, how many of you uh, have tried to take a picture of your little newborn as they're in this peaceful, cute slumber, but you accidentally drop your smartphone right on their face? Anyone? I've never done that, but a few of my friends have. And we laugh because all of us have done something stupid when it comes to parenting, but then... There's things like how many of us have said something to our children that we would give anything to take back? Yeah. Or how many of us have missed an opportunity to say something really, really important and instead we've just stayed silent? Or how many of us, when it comes to parenting, have ever felt lost, have ever tossed and turned at night because of worry and anxiety? How many of us have ever shed tears when it comes to our children? Yeah, that's all of us. Parenting can be a really painful topic. But as parenting has gotten harder and harder the past few years for me personally, and it just looks like it's going to get harder in the years to come, I've just been forced to my knees in prayer like never before and really to God's word. And God's just been leading, back, leading me back to a few truths over and over again the past few years. And there's just a few short truths that I want to share with you. They're all found in Psalm 127. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, this weekend's going to be a little different. I'm not going to be up here the whole time. I'm only going to be up here for a few short minutes. And uh, then we're going to show a video of parents that call Hope Home, kind of struggling through their season and different seasons of their parenting. And then I want to invite a really close friend and uh, a coworker, someone who is more passionate about parenting and coming alongside of and partnering with parents than anyone I've ever met in my life, uh, our family ministries director, Heather Sullivan. So uh, Psalm 127, um, if you don't know, it's a psalm written by David. And if you know anything about David, you'll realize that he is at the same time a really bad example of parenting and also a really good parenting example. Uh, with his first few batch of kids, I guess, uh, he parented extremely poorly. And that led to some crazy things happening in his family life. So many crazy things, I can't really get into it. But a lot of those crazy things can be directly traced back to David's failure as a dad. But late in life, he had a son named Solomon. And with Solomon, he got it right. And after Solomon was grown, uh, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 127, as kind of a collection of his parenting advice. And so I just want to spend a few minutes uh, talking about God's kind of paradigm for parenting, maybe the, the godly perspective that we need to have when it comes to parenting. And then I'll ask Heather to make it really practical for us. So let's go ahead and read the psalm. It's really short, just five verses, but God's word says this. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame 
when he confronts his accusers in the city gates. And this one psalm has some countercultural paradigms that I want to share with you. The first one that jumped out to me when I was reading this is what he says in verse 3, where he says, children are a gift from the Lord. David says, when, it, when you get right down to it, children ultimately are a gift. They are a blessing. But this is not the way our world views kids, is it? Oftentimes when you um, look at social media or on TV shows and movies, kids are not portrayed as a gift. They're instead portrayed as an inconvenience at best. Kids are those things that get in the way of awesome things like a career or more money or more freedom to travel. In fact, uh, this, this idea has sunk so deep into our cultural psyche that um, the birth rate has actually dropped 4% in just the past few years uh, with more and more couples choosing to be dinked. Have you heard that term? Dual income, no kids. That's like the dream of our generation. Uh, Vox actually uh, put out an article this summer titled, Why So Many Americans Are Terrified of Having Kids in 2022. And on a more serious note, um, this year there will be about 1 million abortions. Um, that's down from 1.6 million during the 90s. Praise God, I'm praying that goes down to next to nothing. But the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority stats tell us about 97 to 98% are simply because that child is unwanted, because that baby is viewed as an inconvenience. There's no other way to put it. But the Bible says, no, no, no. They're not an inconvenience, they're a gift. They're a blessing that God has given us. You ever see those parents with like eight or nine kids in tow and they get into one of those mini buses that they take tourists for like sightseeing because that's the only family car that will fit them all. Like we see that couple and we think, that couple's nuts, they're crazy. Someone needs to explain to them how this birds and the bees thing work because they don't understand. But David would look at that couple and say, no, no, that couple is blessed. And if you want to experience more in your parenting, you have to begin to view your children that way. And sometimes that is hard. I mean, to be honest, when the emotions are running high, and when I've been told that I don't have a clue for the 20th time that day, when I walk into my daughter's bedroom and it's like a nuclear waste zone, right? It's tempting to view my kids as anything but a gift, but a blessing. In fact, when I was preparing for this sermon, I got to that verse and it was almost hard for me to read it. Because that day, one of my daughters was not acting exactly like a gift. And I actually had to go to God and I said, God, this is how you see here, but it's not how I see. You got to help me out. Can you teach me to see my kids as you see my kids, as the blessing that they truly are? And one of the things that I believe he showed me is that a gift, sometimes the best gift is not exactly what you want, but sometimes it's exactly what you need. It's like the difference of what you get like a 10-year-old kid for Christmas. What kind of gifts do you get them? You get them like an Xbox, right? You get them like a skateboard, stuff they may not need, but stuff they want. The difference between that gift and something you get, oh, I don't know, a dad. Like, what do you get your dads? You get them a Home Depot gift card, right? You get them another pair of knee-high socks. And it's not something they initially want, but I've opened gifts like that and thought, oh, yeah, this is something I need. I need some more oil for my lawnmower, right? I need some more knee-high socks to complement my New Balance yard shoes, right? Sometimes the best gift isn't what you want, but it's what you need. Sometimes your child isn't there to give you joy or momentary happiness. Sometimes what you need in that moment is maturity or patience or a closer relationship with God or an opportunity to show grace or a more vibrant and powerful prayer life. And God has gifted you with that child 
to give you those things. And when you start approaching parenting this way, you begin to step into the more a little bit. The second countercultural paradigm that David gives us is he used a very interesting word to describe children. Did you catch it? He calls them eros. He says children are like arrows in a quiver. And there's whole sermons written on this one thought, but an arrow, you may not know this, but it's something that takes a whole lot of patience and thought and effort and intentionality to form. Uh, the arrow has to be almost perfectly straight and very well balanced. The uh, feathers that go on the end have to be the right type and they have to be placed in the perfect alignment. And then the arrowhead, it has, to be, um, it has to be tempered and it has to be sharpened and it has to be formed. And it takes all of this work because at the end of the day, an arrow's not meant to sit on a shelf, but it's meant to do what? It's meant to be shot. It's meant to be released out into the world. You put in all that work so that when you finally release that arrow, it flies straight to the target. But see, our culture doesn't view children that way. I think our culture views kids less like arrows and more like a fragile piece of wedding china that you got when you got married, right? It's something to be protected. It's something to be sat up in a very safe shelf. It's something to be shielded from the dangers of the world as much as possible. The Bible says, no, 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 it's the opposite. Listen, if you, if you want to experience more in your parenting, you have to stop, stop treating your children like these fragile little things that you have to protect from the darkness and the evil in the world. And you have to form them into the type of people so that when you send them out, the darkness and the evil of the world are afraid of them, right? Your children are meant to be sent out as missionaries to make a difference in the world. And maybe you've never thought of this before, but your legacy... Your lasting impact on the world, it might not be something you do, but instead someone that you raise. The future leaders of God's church, the people that will change history, the people that will lead the church for generations, they're sitting around our dinner tables every single night. And what that means is parenting is way more than just getting your kids to the soccer practice or the wrestling practice or the next uh, activity. It's way more than just helping them get good grades. It's shaping them into people that will change the world. And I hope we take this very, very seriously. We believe that it is our responsibility, it's our duty to reach the next generation for Christ. And we're doing all sorts of things in the coming months and years based around that goal. But we believe that that mission starts with you. And it starts with me. It starts with parents. And this dramatically changes the way we go about raising our kids. When you stop viewing them as these fragile little things that you need to protect and instead an arrow that you have to prepare to be sent out, that changes your priorities. That changes the types of conversations that you have. That changes the, the, uh, the experiences that you give them. It makes this whole parenting thing really matter even more, doesn't it? If that's possible. And I know that can be a heavy burden. That can be a heavy weight to live under, but that's why I love the third paradigm. David starts off this whole psalm with, it's verse one, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. What David's saying here is that as important as our job as parents is, listen, ultimately God's in charge. We can't reach into their little hearts and change it, but God can. We can't make them value and prioritize the right things, but God can. We can't ultimately protect them from everything. We can't give them a passion and a purpose to pursue, but God can do all of those things. 
God's the ultimate protector. He's the ultimate provider. He's the ultimate builder and the architect. We as parents, we're just instruments that he chooses to use for a certain season. I mean, what an honor and what a privilege. So yeah, we need to do our very best. We need to work hard. But at the end of the day, we can lay down any anxiety, David says, and we can rest secure knowing that ultimately God's got our children. So before we move on to the practical part, I know that this can be a very painful topic for some of us. Some of us can wake up in the morning and we got years of parenting in the little years ahead of us. Some of our kids are out of the house. That doesn't mean our parenting's done, but the opportunities are kind of lessened. And I don't want you to just sit here and only think of your failures and to just walk out of here with guilt and shame. I want you to know this, that there is no such thing as a perfect parent that no person in this room or listening right now is the product of perfect parents. And there's some amazing people I'm looking at right now. My parents were great, but they weren't perfect. And I turned out okay, right? Um, In fact, even if you were a perfect parent, that wouldn't guarantee that your kid would turn out perfect. You know who had the perfect parent? The only two people ever, Adam and Eve. Their parent was God himself and they still fell into sin, right? So there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You're gonna fail. There's no shame, there's no guilt in that. But if we're gonna fail, can we just agree to fail trying? Can we agree to fail forward? To fail trying to be intentional and trying to do our very best and just believing that God can use it? Well, I wanna show you a few parents that are at different seasons in their journey and I wanna hand it over to Heather Sullivan. So I know that it can be um, encouraging to hear somebody share that we're the parent who's perfectly picked out for our kids and that they're a gift, which is true. But I know for every single one of us, I'm a parent, I have two boys, I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old. Um, And I find them delightful at every phase, but every phase is hard. And when we get into a new one, it's hard for a whole new set of reasons. Uh, So I know we can hear that stuff and it is encouraging and we do walk away and we do feel like there's something that we needed to hear and that God wanted us to hear. But there's also stuff that like rolls around in our brains that makes us feel like, yeah, but there's this thing uh, that's happening in my household or there's this thing uh, that happened in my past or when I was a kid that makes me feel like maybe maybe I need to work on me first before I can be a better parent. So. I would just love to hear from you guys and I would love for everybody else to have a chance to hear like, what's that for you? Anybody? So I had a unique experience with my 19 and 16 year old daughters. When they were younger, I was the one who led them to Christ. I was able to baptize one of them. The other one was baptized uh, with, at the church that we were going to at that point in time. So having that experience and be able to walk them through their beginning part of their journey and reading their Bible and going through this, I I thought that things were set up and going in the right direction. And I was made to be the parent that led them that way. And then I realized some of my anger issues Mm. came up and uh, sidetracked things really, really difficultly for me Mm -hmm. Uh, into the point to where this year going on vacation, I've managed to upset every member of my family while we were on vacation. Uh, And then just hearing how they describe me and thinking, man, am am I even good enough to do this? I know I'm called to help minister to people. Sometimes it's hard because I I wanna be able to do that for my children. 
I struggle with that too, losing my temper. I just get so overwhelmed and anxious. There's so many little people that need me all the time. And, you know, it's like- How many little people, Kathy? Six little people, all <laughs> under the age of nine oh, currently. Oh, so it's a lot of needs all the time. And, um, you know, I, I get overwhelmed and I snap. It's like I give and give and give and then I snap. But, you know, when I do do that, I, I try to say after I've calmed down, which sometimes takes longer than I wish it does, but I usually say something to the effect of, you know, God's not done with me yet. You know, he's still working on me too. And then we can have a conversation about that. So hopefully in that mess, you know, I can still point, I'm pointing them to Jesus um, and reminding myself of that. Navigating, raising this many little people and helping to disciple them, that, that feels like such a load to me because I'm scared I'm not doing it the right way. Um, you know, and so in the quiet moments when I'm feeling really less than that's the back of my mind, you know, it's, you're not Christian enough. Right. Um, which was, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, really? But, um, but yeah, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. I think, um, so we have a lot of kids, <laughs> so five are grown and six are at home. So I think, um, when I look back, the more I learned about um, like the brain, and I think I learned a lot of it from one of your talks, uh -huh. Heather. Um, I wish I could go back and not take things so personal. Mm -hmm. Like um, three of our children, um, we adopted their sibling group and uh, they were acting out of trauma. Their, their brain had lots and lots of trauma. And uh, so the behavior would display that and, and I would just take it so personal like, Oh, like it was a punch in the gut. And the more, the older I get and the more talks I hear about the brain, I realize, no, it has nothing to do with you. That's, that, that doesn't mean they don't love you. That's, that's what they're going through. So I, I wish I could do a redo on that. Um, I can't, but uh, with the six that we have now, I, I try to remember it's not about you, especially during those like middle school, high school years where they say the brain is literally still growing and yeah. they're still figuring things out. Like I just have to say, that's his brain, <laughs> that's his brain. <laughs> it's not that he, he wants to defy you. He's doing that on purpose because he's angry at you. It's, it's his brain. So every single family has its own unique thing. I would love to hear what yours is if you're mm -hmm. willing to share it. Uh, I have two boys as well. They're older, um, 19 and 16. So parenting a young adult is really different. Um, my husband also works for the fire department and um, that comes with a lot of similar to like a military family where he is just not home all the time. And so um, that is, that's a really unique thing for us. I mean, I remember um, pre-COVID kind of looking around our home and like the behavior of both of the boys. And I was like, this is not okay. And my boys were responding like, they didn't have a dad. And um, so we had to make the really hard decision for Scott to um, start to work at admin instead of being at a fire station because he needed to be home and he needed to be present um, in the lives of our kids more than he was able to be. Um, and so for us, I know like as a couple and as a family, we are just, we're super thankful that God gave us that opportunity for him to be home because um, that really did change like the trajectory of our family, um, just that opportunity. Uh, I think it's pretty clear Micah looks younger than some of us <laughs> um, at the table. And so 
Uh, I love that he was willing to be here, though, because I think what I've heard all of you say is stuff that we tend to beat ourselves up about, or it took like a moment for us to realize, and maybe we're still in the middle of it, like you were saying, James. And so I just thought, Micah, I'd love to hear from your perspective. If if you were sitting here with your parents, like what did they do well? What did they do that they probably don't even know you appreciated a ton? I think like that there's like a step to be vulnerable with your kids too. Yeah. I, I know James and I'm pretty sure you had mentioned too, like this idea of like, when you make a mistake with your kids, you say something like I'm in process yes. too. Yeah. It took me up until I was 18 and I just went off on my mom because she was bothering me for some stupid reason. And she got in the car with me and she just drove and she listed off all the things she was de dealing with. And in that moment, I was like, oh, she's a person too. <laughs> like she has her own problems too. Cause I had always seen her just like my mom. Superwoman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until she opened up to me where I was like, okay, I understand why, you know, you, when you get home, like you're frustrated. I understand why, like you get, you get anxious or angry in this situation. I, I get what's going on because of something else that's yeah. going on that I don't see. Yeah. Um, and I think that vulnerability led to a huge understanding for me. Yeah. So. And what I've heard you guys share is a ton of vulnerability here, um, but the vulnerability and the brokenness piece sometimes are the greatest tools that we have. And so those very things that we don't wanna share, those very things that we think disqualify us actually make us the best at investing in our kids exactly mm -hmm. in the way that they need and what it is that they need to hear. And so my hope is that from what you guys have shared today, that the people who are watching and the people who are listening take that away. That is their actual brokenness that they think is disqualifying them from being a great parent that enables them to be able to parent exactly the way God wants them to. So thank you guys. Well, hello friends. <laughs> if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Heather. Uh, as you saw in that video though, I have two teenagers, so I'm just as willing to answer to brah. Um, because of my role here in family ministry, I get the chance to have a lot of conversations just like that one. And I know that because of that, I know that there are a lot of parents who are here this weekend who are showing up feeling empty and you're feeling depleted and anxious. Your kids are asking you questions that you're not quite sure how to answer. And they seem anxious and you're not really sure how concerned you should be. Is this the normal kind of anxiety that comes from going to school or not making a team or having someone break up with you or is it something more? So I thought it would be really great just to start out, honestly, by getting us all on the same page. And I want you to know, our youth actually are in crisis. I don't know if yours is, but they probably have friends who are. And so I thought it would be great for us all to understand. And so I have some stats I want to share with you. Um, these are not encouraging stats, just to prepare your hearts. Uh, right now, there's 31,000 youth in North Carolina who report having a substance abuse disorder. 10.6% of youth, or over 2.5 million, cope with a severe level of major depression. And 60.3% of those don't receive any mental health treatment. Nearly half of the students described feeling persistently sad or hopeless. And the most troubling of all, suicide is still the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 through 34. Guys, I know that's heavy, but these are the kids who are in our neighborhoods they're in our schools and some of them are in our homes. And I just, I wanna make this a little bit more personal because I need it to matter to you deeply. In Wake County last week, we lost two more. And one of them was an eighth grader and he took his life at school. 
surrounded by people who he could have asked for help. They're just not asking. And guys, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Last week as we started this series, we started from John 10.10 and we heard that Jesus came so that we would have life and we would have it to the full. And as we think through what it's like to parent our kids and what abundant life parenting would look like, it could be easy to think that that looks like a home that's free of tension. That maybe today everybody got up and was willing to put on their pants or they ate their vegetables or they showed up on time for curfew or no one rolled their eyes. And don't get me wrong, that would look a lot more like abundant life than it looks like on most days. But I think it's about a little bit more than that. I think the reason why Chase has to get up here and remind us that our kids are a gift is because a lot of them don't know it. In that same passage from John where it talks about abundant life, it describes a thief, a thief who's out to steal and kill and destroy our kids. And I believe that part of that is him wanting to rob them of the chance to know that they're worthwhile. And I think, too, that he's willing to use us as parents. I think culture would tell us that as parents, it can be a, a great parent is showing up for PTA meetings. A great parent's kids behave when they go to a restaurant. A great parent is coaching their kid's soccer team. A great parent has a kid who doesn't wrestle in the library at school. That's just me. <laughs> and we'll find ourselves just managing parent is supposed to be meaningful and we're a behavior manager and honestly we become weary and exhausted and when it doesn't work out we become if we're honest resentful of the very kids that God gifted to us and you know who fills that they do they can tell they're sitting across the table from someone who resents them and that is damaging to their relationship with us and I want you to know why that's so detrimental it's because out of all the people they know, you are the greatest threat to your enemy's plans to destroy your child. You won't be able to protect them from all the obstacles they're gonna face, and it's not because you're perfect. You can't save them from the impact of sin. That's not your job. But even though we can't save our kids from sin, we can point them to the one that can. Chase talked about that arrow. The reason why you're the primary influence, the reason why you have the greatest potential is because you are the one that holds the arrow. And all of that work that you do to craft it so perfectly so that you can launch it out and your kids can be launched towards not success, not towards a life that's free of struggle, but we want to launch our kids towards Jesus, towards the one who can actually save them from all of the things that they're going to face. But when I say that, I know some of you instantly, just like those parents in that video, you disqualify yourself because you feel inadequate or you feel nervous about what it would be like to have a conversation with your kids about God or the Bible. It feels like something maybe you're not prepared to do, or what if they ask you something that you're not prepared to answer? What I want to do for the next few minutes that I have is give you some hope and some practical resources that you can actually use before you even leave this room if you choose to stop listening to me. <laughs> but to start with, I'm going to go to one of the most famous passages used in any parent conference or anytime you're talking to parents, and that's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you've got a device you want to use to go there, you'll need it again later anyway. You might as well get it out. Um, you can go to our app and you can take notes there and find those scriptures. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is one of the most quoted passages, we find Moses. He's giving a speech to Israel. And it's right after he's been given the Ten Commandments. So he's trying to help them understand the importance of these commandments. I'm starting in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, 
when you lie down and when you get up. Now what Moses wants for all of Israel and subsequently all of us is to know that teaching our kids about God, if you look back at that verse, starts with us. The more that we understand about who God is and what it is that he's done for us, the more likely we are to desire to follow his commands. It's compelling to understand what it is that God's done for you. And the more likely we are to want our kids to know that exact same thing. So if you know this is an area where you need to grow, there's no shame in that. For the love of your kids, start there. And I have two ways right now that I can encourage you to do that right here. There's lots of things you can do, but I've got two suggestions out of the gate. First of all, get together with some other people. Get together with some other parents. You've probably heard us talking about these made for more groups. During this series, we're actually encouraging you, if you're not already in a group, to get into a group where you can get together and you can talk about your learning from the weekend and process through some of this life stuff together. The second is something that we have here and it's called our growth track. And I'm not just trying to get you to show up for a thing that we have, I'm telling you there has been meaningful work done to make sure that this stuff is gonna be valuable. These classes are meant for you no matter where you are in your walk with God, or if you haven't even started one at all, this is the place to go to get started. But the rest of that whole passage in Deuteronomy is about your intentionality of having conversations with your kids about God. And here's what I love about it, it's so practical. That whole passage uses the natural rhythms that we find exist in our homes anyways. They exist in our families. It talks about bedtime. It talks about morning time and mealtime. These are things that naturally occur. And they're honestly times when our kids are more inclined to talk to us anyway. I mean, has anybody ever tried to put a kid to bed? Everything they didn't remember all day and every permission slip they need you to sign is going to come up right then. You might as well leverage that time to ask them some questions. You might as well leverage that time to pray with them. But here's the problem. You can have all the proximity and all the presence in the world, but without intentionality, nothing's gonna happen. And those of you in the room or those of you watching who have teenagers or young adults, you were hearing me say those things and you were thinking, well, we don't, I don't really drive my kid to school anymore. He drives himself. It's really hard to get us all together for a meal. He's at practice, she has dance. And the longer that time goes on, the less and less time you have together. That's not an excuse. <laughs> it just means you have to work to be more intentional. You're actually going to have to plan it. And so as we go on through the next year, you're gonna hear us as a church having realized that, having realized the importance of us reaching into the next generation and those stats wanting to change them. You're gonna hear us encouraging parents to get together with their family around tables and have dinner together at least once a week. But why wait for that? The truth is you can start now. You, everyone has a calendar. Everyone has the ability to plan. I would love to encourage you to pick one time a week, one meal, one moment that you guys can have together and sit down together and have conversations. And I want to show you a thing that I use. We use it in our family. I feel you judging me right now about the size of this calendar. <laughs> Maybe some of us need a bigger calendar because we have more problems. Um, this calendar is called the Family Plan Calendar, and I love it. Because not only does it give your family a chance to, and this isn't a hope thing, this is just something that I, I don't say, I got caught by an Instagram ad, but it's really great. Um, and it encourages you to sit down and talk through your week, yes, but it has intentionality behind what are you grateful for and what do you need prayer for. And let me tell you, you will be so surprised at what your kids will share over time. Just one resource, they'll give you a chance to talk to your kids. The other thing that I love it's my favorite parenting resource of all time. Why I haven't shared it with some of you before, I don't know. Some of you use it. It's an app, so it's in your pocket. You carry it with you all the time. It's called the ParentQ app. Uh, and let me show you a screenshot that I have from mine. 
So this is what it looks like. You'll actually take a picture of your kids, upload it into the app, and it'll ask you your kid's age and a couple of other things about them. So when I did this, it was actually a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and every single school year, it'll get you to update it. So the other day when I went to get this screenshot so that I could show you guys this app, I pulled it up and I thought, oh my goodness, if you look at the picture, there's this colored circle around each kid. In the beginning, if your kid's a baby, that circle is all the way filled in. And you notice at the bottom, it tells you how many weeks they have left. That's assuming that your kid actually does get launched and they go. Um, and that number, guys, it gets smaller and smaller. So I looked at it and I felt moved by it, but then I noticed a little red dot up in the corner. And I clicked on it and it said, oh, you haven't updated this school year. So I was like, whoa, gosh, I'm behind. So I did it, I clicked on it, and then it took me back to the screenshot of my kids. And I noticed something I hadn't caught before. My oldest, Seth. I'm in the double digits, y'all. And the reason why I love that app is because, it's not because it makes me sad, and I don't want you to be sad. Um, it's because it increases the urgency that God needs me to feel about the time that I have left with my kids. And then not only does it do that, the stuff I didn't show you is it provides me some phase-based questions and it prepares me with some things that I might need to know or look out for. And then it gives me articles and resources and links and honestly, it's super easy for me to share with my friends who are parents who are going through the same thing. And the last thing that I think would be really great for you to check out, it's not quite as sad, is our Next Level Parent page. Uh, it has curated from staff and curated from parents and volunteers who, who attend Church at Hope some books, some podcasts, some links, some articles, some different things that will help you meet maybe a felt need. Um, some of those questions that you guys ask me, if you go to that website, you'll actually be able to find access to a lot of those things. All of that stuff, everything that I just referenced and much more can be found at gethope.net slash parent. Um, and I think there's a QR code that you can click on that will actually take you there and so you can see all of those things. So here's the bottom line, I'm gonna wrap up. Here's what I want you to leave here knowing. Here's what I want you to go into your week with. A reminder that your kids are a gift. They're a gift from God, they're a gift to God, and they're a gift to you. And they need you. They need to know that they're a gift and the person who's the best to tell them that is you. But you're not supposed to do that by yourself. What we didn't touch on is that at the very beginning of that passage in Deuteronomy, Moses' first words out of his mouth were, Hear, O Israel. Every single one of us, every single person in this room, whether you're a parent or not, or your kids have left home, you are a part of changing the next generation. Parents need you, and the kids certainly do. Find a way to get involved in their lives. And at a minimum, you can know that this church is a church that wants to come alongside you, and we want to help you. You can go to those websites or you can talk to an actual person. We're here for you. And I'd love to start by praying for you right now. God, I wanna thank you for the opportunity to talk to parents um, and to talk to people who need to know what's going on in their kids' lives, who need to know what's going on with the youth that are in our communities and in our schools. God, we know that your heart breaks for what it is that's happening right now in all of our culture. And we know that nothing will change if you don't also break ours. And so God, right now, I pray for our kids. 
I pray for people's hearts to be moved to get involved in their lives. I pray for our teachers. I pray for everyone who is choosing to show up in the life of a kid. I pray that they would see that those kids are a gift and that they would help them to know that as well. I pray that you would use us as a church, wherever we are, to dive into the middle of kids' lives and show them that they're worthwhile, that they're made on purpose, for a purpose, and that you have big plans for them, God. They are made for more than believing that they are invisible and that there is no hope. I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that it is for us to get together and to talk about that this weekend. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.